5K every day in the month of May 2022 podcast. I'm Jeff Pullen, and today is Monday, May 30th. Happy Memorial Day to all of you listeners out there. I hope that you have an awesome day of grilling and chilling and being mindful of and thankful for the brave, selfless men and women who were willing to lay down their lives so that we could live in freedom here in the United States of America. In the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus is recorded as saying, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Clearly, he was referencing the fact that he would willingly lay down his life so that we could experience eternal freedom, which no one can ever take away from those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ alone for eternal salvation. But I think the principle remains here on earth as well. I know that I sure am thankful for the sacrifice of many men and women serving in the U.S. Armed Forces, as well as first responders and law enforcement. Thank you. Before we get too far into this podcast, I should remind you that today is an official check-in day. Check-in day, check-in day, it's time to check in, hey, 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 hey. Check-in day, check-in day, go to jeffpullenmusic.com today. Don't forget to go to www.jeffpullenmusic.com and click on the 5K May 2022 check-in number three blog post. Follow the prompt and get yourself officially checked in. We have just one day left in the 5K May 2022 challenge and then the final check-in will be located on that same blog on June 1st. Today's daily fun photo challenge is to run or walk your daily 5K on a local nature trail. And to get you started today, here's a song from my latest solo record, and the song is called Nothing Can Separate Us. Good. 
This week's Bible memory verse is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's go ahead and jump into our daily Bible reading. Today we will be wrapping up the Gospel of John, and we will begin the book of Acts. Chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hands into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. I love this purpose statement blatantly sitting at the end of John 20. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now, make no mistake about it. John wrote a firsthand account of what he witnessed while walking with Jesus for the sole purpose of helping people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that by believing they may have life in his name. I love it. That purpose statement makes me stop in my tracks and ask myself, why do I do the things that I do? There is no higher calling than to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing receive life in his name. I want everything that I say and do to be towards that end. Why do I do this daily podcast to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing receive life in his name? Why do I run to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing receive life in his name? Why do I sing to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing receive life in his name? Why do I love my wife and my kids to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing receive life in his name? Of course, there are other reasons beyond this foundational mission statement for why I do these things. But at the core, why do I do what I do? To help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, receive life in his name. I love that purpose statement. I love keeping that in front of me in everything that I do, helping me to guide and to help me make decisions about what I do and when I do it and why I do it. And I'm wondering for you, Why do you do the things that you do? Chapter 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
you. As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Man, what a privilege. I am hanging out with Jordan Butler, and this is a guy, a, a recent friend that I, I got to meet the past year and, and found out that you are a 5K May legend, really, is what it comes right <laughs> down to. Uh, and so you and I got a chance to meet each other earlier this year, and I got to meet your lovely bride, which, by the way, congratulations. I mean, you guys are expecting, right? Yeah, we just found out it's a boy. We uh, countdown is still going, and it's due in November. So we are living good. We're excited. God is good. Can't wait. God is good. All right. So for anybody who is listening to the podcast, could you take a moment here and just tell us about yourself? Who are we talking to? My name is Jordan Butler. I am in West Virginia, in the Eastern Panhandle. It's about twenty minutes from Maryland and and ten minutes from Virginia. Born and raised West Virginia, went to Bible College in West Virginia, came back home to the Eastern Panhandle. I fell in love with Jesus when I was about 18. My whole life, I had a respect for Jesus, but really fell in love with him when I was 18. And it was like, I don't want to do anything else with my life besides serving Jesus because there's no greater value in that. And uh, so I'm I'm about, it's crazy that I, I did four years of interning. And I'm about five years in about uh, being a youth pastor. So I've been in ministry technically 10 years and I'm still in my 20s, which is crazy to think about. I'm married. I got a kid on the way. God has been so good. Our ministry has been booming. Just so much fruit has been so evident just seeing God work and change lives. I just feel fortunate to be a part of his his team. Now, you are not doing this 5K May challenge alone. I mean, Obviously, you've got 5K mayors from all over the country, all over the world, really, that we're all virtually competing together. But you've taken this challenge a step further. Am I right in thinking that you've got a whole crew, a whole group of people who are doing this challenge together? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's, last time I looked at it, I felt like we kept adding. I think we're up to 17 for the last two years. It was just a handful of us. And then we built such a good community. We're, we're good friends. We don't just do this. We're, we hang out at church and do other stuff together. And it's grown up to this year. There's 17 of us. And we've been holding each other accountable. It's been amazing. I love that so much. That is the right way to do the 5K every day in the month of May challenge. Definitely connecting with people through the Facebook group, through Strava, whatever but putting your own crew together. You know, misery does love company and it's great when we (laughs) can do this together. Now with the 5k every day in the month of May challenge, you're a bit of a veteran here. You've done it before you finished it before. And we are nearly finished with 5k May 2022. I almost can't even believe that, but it's true. The finish line is in sight. And as a veteran, as a legend, Uh, I'd love to know what kind of encouragement can you offer to the 5K mayors? I am a a fitness junkie. I played sports my whole life, went to college, and now I'm I'm a coach for high school football and baseball. And the more I'm around physicality and running and pushing yourself, the more I, I realize that your body can do it. Most of it is a mentality. If you speak truth to yourself, like I can do this, I'm going to do this. I, 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 
tend to see better results in people who think that way than the people who think, man, I don't know if I can do this. My body hurts and I'm sore. Maybe I should take a day off. If you, if you have encouragement from other people, like the group that we have, that says, man, George, you can get through this, man. Only a couple days left. And if you speak truth to yourself, like, man, I'm hurting, I'm sore, but you know what? I'm already 28 days in. We're almost there. Those people almost always tend to seem to have better results. So that's the encouragement. Speak truth to yourself. You can do this. Whoever's listening, you got a couple more days left. Maybe if you listen, this might be one more day, but finish line. We're in the fourth quarter. Push through. You'll be happy with the results. Now, you and I got a chance to meet one another. I mean, it's kind of funny because you are a youth pastor from West Virginia, just in the outskirts of D.C. I am a musicianary in Ohio. So it only makes logical sense that we would meet each other in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. <laughs> but, but there we were. And if I remember right, uh, I don't know if it was my name or my voice, but after a session of me leading worship, you came up to me and you're like, dude, are you the 5K every day in the month of May podcast guy or whatever? Like, what yeah. was it that drew, uh, that made you understand? Like, we know each other. We actually have a mutual friend, Dean right. Plumley. And right. I remember after that first session, you came up to me and you, I, I never would have imagined because this was in February, but you drew the 5K every day in the month of May connection. What was that all about? There was, there was like three quick things that happened. Your name popped up. I knew your name. I was like, man, there can't be too many Jeff Polins. Step two is I texted our boy, Dean. I was like, Dean, what are the odds? This is the same Jeff Poland guy. Does he happen to be a musician, which I listen to your podcast now that I know, cause he can see that you are musically gifted. And then I, I had, I had the, the bravery, the courage to finally, you know what? This guy has been a blessing in my life and my friends, and I didn't even get to know him. So I was like, I'm going to go up in front of all these people. Like, please tell me you're Jeff Poland that does the 5k a day. The odds of that happening are ridiculous. I still can't believe it happened. So it's, I was like, I got to ask him. So me and Hannah, me and Hannah, my wife, we went up and asked him and it happened to be you. So that was cool. I think that is so funny. Yeah. Uh, my, my policy in life is any friend of Dean Plumley is a friend of mine. So I was very I glad you. to get to meet <laughs> you. Now, as a youth pastor, a dude who's been in the ministry for 10 years and you're still in your 20s, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited yeah. for you to unpack for us what exactly is going on or what do you see going on here in John 21? So I've been in ministry myself, teaching and shepherding people for for years now, but I also grew up a youth pastor's kid. So I feel like my whole life, I've just had scripture and, and knowledge just thrown my way about not only what Jesus did, but who he is and what he calls us to be. And uh, there's a few passages of that I look at in my life that I feel like really just connect with me. You know, I know everybody you talk to, they have a random passage who are serious about their faith. They're like, man, this has really affected my walk with Jesus. And if I had a Hall of Fame, uh, this one would be in the top 10, no doubt. And it happens to fall in right in the time. It's after the resurrection. And there's a lot of controversy of what's going on, who Jesus was. Did he really rise from the grave? And this happens to be where the, the apostles, the, the, the disciples who are left, who haven't abandoned Jesus completely, they're back to fishing. Surprise. And uh, just like we see in the rest of the gospels, it seems like they're terrible fishermen. Nobody ever talks about that. They like It seems like they never catch any fish. And then this one, chapter 21, you can see where 
They've been fishing all night and they still haven't caught anything. It says that in verse three. And then Jesus just happens to be on the shore at dawn. Um, and I love calling this that, you know, we, we everybody talks about the last supper and this is kind of like the last breakfast, the final breakfast. And I think it's almost just as important because there's so much hidden truth that people don't really talk about enough. And uh, Jesus walks up, he shouts out, he says, Hey guys, try uh, cast your net on the other side. And they do. And just like the other times in the gospels where Jesus instructs them to do a miracle, just amazing things happen. The coolest part of this story for me is once they cast their net on the other side, um, something that preachers don't really talk about a whole lot. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. So John says, says to Peter, oh my goodness, it's our Messiah. It's Jesus. And then I love this next part. When Simon Peter heard that it was Jesus himself, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for word, jumped into the water and headed to shore. But the hard part's the next part. It says, the others, however, stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net into the shore for they were only uh, about a hundred yards from the shore. This one is is so important to me for one of a, a couple reasons. I feel like every Christian can relate to one of two people in this story. You got a handful of disciples that are left and, and it's clearly Jesus on the shore. And once they see Jesus, the, the craziest part of the soul story, after all the miracles, after seeing Jesus walk on water, calm the storm, and they'll raise dead people to life, raise himself back to life, save people, give uh, sight to blind people, people who can't walk to walk. And they know it's him. They saw him die. They saw him rise again. And then they see him on the shore. And there's only one of them that jump out of the boat. And this passage hit me hard when I was a teenager. And even our guy, Dean, he's the one that walked through this with me one time, calling it the last breakfast. I think about how many times I'm not Peter in this story. Like how many times in my life, in my walk, if, if I knew that Jesus was an opportunity to meet with Jesus, to worship, to pray, to go to a teaching that I know I'm going to, I'm going to hear the work of God working through somebody, through his word. How many times am I, am I just going to be the apostles in the boat? where I'm just like, you know what? I got to get my stuff done. You know, I, I got to worry about this fish. I got to go feed my family. I got to do, I got to be good at my job. I'm still a fisherman. And how many little times in my life and in my walk, even as a pastor, am I truly Peter? No, I, I can teach. I can stand behind a pulpit. I can read God's word. I can do everything that I want, but there's been so many times where I'm not Peter. And if people listening, how many times are we not Peter. We're the apostles. We know we, we know God is important. We know we need him. We know he loves us. We know he saved us. We know that we're in the book of life. We're here as adopted children. But at the end of the day, how many times are we still going to value getting the stuff done in our life that isn't the things that God called us to be? You know, like, I, and I am not throwing stones because I'm as guilty as anybody because I'm just looking at my like, man, so many times I'm just pulling on the net. Jesus, I'll be there in a second. Hold on. I got to get the fish in the boat. I got to do my job. I got to be, you know, I got to be good. I got to do all these things. But think about Peter's mindset. You know, Peter gets a bad rap. You know, we talk about Peter. It's like every time somebody talks about Peter, it's like, oh man, you know, Peter is the most relatable. You know, he's the, we say all these good things about Peter, but almost every Christian I talk to and pastor, when they talk about the good things of Peter, they almost always go, oh, Peter did all these amazing things, but he denied Jesus, but he cut this guy's ear off. At the, at the end of the day, man, there's only one guy that jumped out of the boat. It was Peter. And then the other coolest part about this story, thinking about Peter, they get to the beach. They, Jesus cooks them up some fish. Man, to be a fly on the wall, just to hear the conversation that Jesus had with them in that moment, man, that would be 
an incredible conversation to listen to. But there's one of them where Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, you feed my sheep. Peter, you feed my sheep. It doesn't, it doesn't appear that he looks at the other one and says, hey, you feed my sheep. It's no, he looks at Peter and says, hey, you feed my sheep. See, the, this isn't something that you can technically prove, but if you look at the consistency of, of God, the consistency of God is always grace and is always love. But with Jesus himself, he always seems to react and respond to radical risk-taking faith. Like Peter was risky. He was, he was crazy, but he's also the person that Jesus said, hey, on you, I'm going to build my church. You feed my sheep. So there, I feel like there's so many Christians where we're like, we're so like focused on getting our stuff done. We forget that Jesus was radical. He was risky. He took, he took dangerous routes, but he, his sole focus was to get the job done that his father gave to him. And that was Peter. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I don't be like this guy. I mean, like sometimes I look at my life, I'm like, man, I wish I'm like Peter. I know I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to stink at a lot of things. But at the end of the day, you know what Peter did? He did everything he could to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on him, Jesus built his church. On him, Jesus fed his sheep. There's so many good truths to that. And then the final thing, Jeff, that I want to say is I love, I love doing when I'm, when I'm teaching this passage. We don't know. It's impossible to do what I'm about to ask. But it's fun to think about when Peter jumped out of the boat. When all of the, the, the disciples that are left in the boat fishing, when they realized that it was Jesus, what do you think Jesus was looking at? You know, was he focused on, on Peter or was he focused on the people that in that moment, it's hard to say this, but it's probably true, are kind of disappointing. They're focused on their own objective and not Jesus. If I would say for most of my life, if I was asked that question, we can never know fully what the answer is, but it's fun to think about. I probably would have thought, you know what, Jesus is looking at his disciples going, man, I can't believe they're not coming to me. They're still, they still don't get it. They still don't get it. You know, the older I get, if I had to guess, I never know. He's probably looking at both of them. We don't know, but I'm now thinking like, you know what? He's probably focused on Peter. Cause when they get back, it says that Jesus looked at Peter and he spoke to him. He said, feed my sheep. But the cool, then the last cool part about this story. And this is the last thing that I will say, I promise. <laughs> it's like the third time I said, this is the last thing. What's the, the coolest part about the consistency of God and his grace is despite that Jesus looked at Peter and he said, hey, you know, feed my sheep. He used him to be the leader to whatever you want to call it. He still used the other disciples. You know, like if there's so many times in my life, I get down on myself, man, I haven't been focusing on my faith, my walk and, and being the ambassador, the witness that God has called me to be. You know what? God can still use me. You know, how many times have I messed up? I'm the one that's pulling on the net, right? We asked that question, but how many times am I that person? But you know what? When they got to the shore, Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, you messed up. You got to go. Nope. Those are the same people that Jesus used to spread the gospel throughout all the world. If we mess up, you know what? God's still going to use us as long as we come to the shore and we fix our focus back on him despite our mistakes. What a great challenge and reminder for us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I'm reminded of that old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The lyrics go on to say, Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Well, friends, we did it. We made it through all four Gospels. Four times now, from four different perspectives, we have heard about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I hope reading through the Gospels has encouraged and inspired you, as well as challenged and convicted you. But now the question becomes, what do we do with the information that we have received? 
Well, what did the first followers of Jesus do with the information that they received? That is exactly what the book of Acts sets out to explain. Unfortunately, we will not make it through the entire book of Acts together because May just doesn't contain enough days to do that. But we will make it through the first four chapters, which will at least give us a glimpse into what those first followers did with the information that they received firsthand. Hopefully reading about their response will elicit a similar response in our lives as well. Without any further delay, let's jump on in to the book of Acts. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went up to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name Akeldama, which means field of blood. Peter continued, This was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, Let his home become desolate, with no one living in it. It also says, Let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas. From among the men who were with us the entire time when we were traveling with the Lord Jesus, from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken up from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Bersabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. After walking with his disciples for several years, pouring into them, training them, equipping them, and being very upfront about the fact that he was going to be betrayed, beaten, and killed, and that he would rise from the dead, Jesus had one final message for his followers. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. 
and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That's Acts 1, verses 8 through 11. This is the last time that Jesus is on the earth with his disciples. And in this moment, he gives them a very clear directive. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what did they do with this very clear directive? Did they march straight into Jerusalem? Uh, no, not exactly. They actually just kind of stood there staring into the big empty sky. Thankfully, two angels snapped them back into reality. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? They had a job to do, and so do we. We are called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's no hidden Greek words here, but too often we're just standing around staring doing nothing of eternal significance. It's time for those of us who claim to follow Jesus to, well, follow Jesus. You remember the old game of Simon Says, right? In the game of Simon Says, if Simon says to wave your hand, you wave your hand. If Simon says to walk around, you walk around. We get the game. It's pretty straightforward. But for some reason, we fail to apply the same reality to a non-game called Jesus Says. Jesus says, go and be my witnesses, and we just stand there. Jesus says, go and make disciples, and we just stand there. What will it take to snap us back into reality? I love what the old English preacher Charles Spurgeon once said. Brethren, do something, do something, do something. While societies and unions make constitutions, let us win souls. I pray you, be men of action, all of you. Get to work and quit yourselves like men. Old Savarov's idea of war is mine. Forward and strike. No theory. Attack. Form a column. Charge bayonets. Plunge into the center of the enemy. Our one aim is to win souls. And this we are not to talk about, but do in the power of God. To send you out today, here is a song and perhaps our anthem from If We called I Will Be a Witness. given me life Oh You've opened up my eyes so I can see all that you've done for me
power 